Good morning, everyone. Bueno, buenos días a todos. Bienvenidos a la Iglesia Comunidad Amanecer. Uh, my name is Russ Siders, and I'm uh, one of the pastors here. Mi nombre es Russ Siders, soy uno de los pastores aquí. I want to also welcome and uh, greet those who are currently worshiping online. We hope you're not just viewing, but that you're worshiping, you're engaging, and that if you're able to come here physically, please do so uh, uh, some other time at the nearest opportunity. Les damos un, una cordial uh, bienvenida a los que estén en línea. Y también espero que puedan adorar con nosotros. I want to make you aware of something Martin hinted at. Pastor Martin hinted at the fact that uh, we have some important decisions to make. And today after worship, right after the worship time, we will greet our guests and anybody here visiting. We're so glad you're here. But those of us who are, are called mission partners, those who are invested and committed and, and, and a part of this ministry, we invite you to stay about five minutes after the end of worship we're going to be right back here, and we're going to have a brief congregational meeting and vote, uh, if we want to get that on the screen, because what we're going to be looking at is our roof. If you've been around here long enough, you know that our roof is like a sieve, and uh, that's not good. Uh, we need to fix that, and so our leadership is ready to put before you a proposal to do that, including how to pay for it, and we need your, uh, your engagement in that. In fact, we're not going to be able to go forward unless you approve of that. So we want you to know as much as possible about it, and then we'll be voting on our plan. Uh, vamos a presentar un, un proyecto, un plan para reparar el techo y también para financiar ese proyecto. Y contamos con uh, su presencia y pues uh, sin su aprobación no podemos seguir adelante. So please, please uh, just take a few minutes. We will not be any longer than we have to be. Uh, but we do also want to be thorough. So we hope to be brief but thorough in that time together. I want to pause right now and send out our boys and girls to children in worship time. It's time for our little ones, uh, three years old up to fifth grade, to go out. And we also have an infant and toddler nursery uh, in, our, uh, in our building that you can take littler ones to. Queremos despedir a los niños al tiempo de niños en adoración para los hasta quinto grado. And the rest of us... We want to invite you to get a Bible and open it up because we are going to be looking at the Bible. We do every week, and we dig in. We really do. So we do have Bibles in the back in English and in Spanish. Hay Biblias atrás en inglés, en español. You can use your phone or you can use a physical Bible. If you brought that, so much the better. We have been in a series on the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. Estamos mirando el libro de Ecclesiastes. And today, our focus is going to be on Ecclesiastes chapters 8 and 9. Capítulos 8 y 9 son el enfoque de hoy. So, I want to invite you to turn there, and I'm going to be reading two brief parts. Voy a leer dos partes. First, from chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, and then from chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Capítulo 8, 5 al 8, y capítulo 9, versículos 1 y 2. So, I'll give you just a moment to get there, I'm sorry I didn't get the page numbers up there this week. So guess what? You're going to do it the old-fashioned way. It's in the middle of the Bible. It's after the Psalms. It's before Isaiah. Hopefully you can find that. This is God's Word. What we have here is such an incredible treasure. This is the greatest treasure of all, in my opinion, and in many others. Ese es el tesoro más grande. Let's listen as God speaks to us. Escuchemos la palabra de Dios. Whoever obeys his command will come to no harm, and the wise heart will know the proper time and procedure, for there is a proper time and procedure for every matter. 
though a person may be weighed down by misery, since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come? As no one has power over the wind to contain it, so no one has power over the time of their death. As no one is discharged in time of war, so wickedness will not release those who practice it. El que acata sus órdenes no sufrirá daño alguno. El corazón sabio sabe cuándo y cómo acatarlas. En realidad, para todo lo que se hace hay un cuándo y un cómo, aunque el hombre tiene en su contra un gran problema que no sabe lo que está por suceder, ni hay quien se lo pueda decir. No hay quien tenga poder sobre el aliento de vida como para retenerlo, ni hay quien tenga poder sobre el día de su muerte. No hay licencias durante la batalla, ni maldad, ni la maldad deja libre al malvado. Chapter 9. So are in God's hands, but no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. A todo esto me dediqué de lleno y en todo esto comprobé que los justos y los sabios y sus obras están en las manos de Dios. Que el hombre nada sabe del amor ni del odio, aunque los tenga ante sus ojos. Para todos hay un mismo final, para el justo y el injusto, para el bueno y el malo, para el puro y el impuro, para el que ofrece sacrificios y para el que no los ofrece, para el bueno y para el pecador, para el que hace juramentos y para el, para el que no los hace. So it was 22 years ago this fall, 22 years ago, a man by the name of Giovanni Renteria was in New York City. He was there for business. Hace 22 años, Giovanni Renteria estaba en Nueva York. Giovanni Renteria was attending a three-week seminar, a training seminar uh, with Morgan Stanley. Morgan Stanley is an international investment bank, very well known. He was attending this seminar for his work. Estaba asistiendo a un seminario de entrenamiento para un banco internacional de inversiones. And during one of the morning sessions, as they typically did, they had a little break. Hubo un descanso durante la mañana. And Giovanni decided to go from the 64th floor, where his class was, all the way down to the first floor. El descendió del piso 64 al primero. Why? To get a coffee. Para comprarse un café. He was under strict orders, however. Tenía órdenes estrictas. He had to get his coffee and get back up to the 64th floor in time for his class to start. Tenía que volver a tiempo. If he was late, even one minute late, he would be kicked out of the class. He'd be done. No podía llegar tarde porque lo expulsaría. But while Giovanni was downstairs on the first floor buying his coffee, something very unusual happened. Algo muy inusual ocurrió. A huge jumbo jet slammed into the skyscraper right next to his skyscraper. It slammed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. Un avión grande chocó con el rascacielos junto al suyo, que era la torre norte de las Torres Gemelas. Now at that moment, Giovanni Renteria had a decision to make. 
Él tenía que tomar una decisión. He could go back up to the 64th floor and arrive on time and keep his job and make sure that he wouldn't get kicked out. Podría subir al piso 64 para mantener su puesto or he could leave the building o podría salir del edificio. Now, common sense told him what to do. Common sense told him that he needed to get back upstairs, that he needed to follow what they told him to do, or otherwise he would lose everything. El sentido común le dijo que subiera para mantener su puesto. And on any other day, and on most days, common sense would have been the right thing to do. That wisdom would have been the correct thing to do. But you see, this was not any ordinary day. La mayoría de las veces habría sido sabio subir, pero hoy no. Why? Because you see, this was September 11, 2001. Fue el 11 de septiembre del 2001. Now we all know following common sense is a good thing. It's good to, to be guided by common sense until we find ourselves in an uncommon situation. Es bueno sentir el sentido común hasta que estemos en una situ situación poco común. When we're in unusual circumstances, when things aren't clear, the reality is common sense, the prevailing wisdom can fail us. En situaciones no usuales, el sentido común nos puede fallar. So, how do you know when it's time to follow common sense, go with the flow, follow what's wise, and how do you know when it's time to go against the current of common sense? ¿Cuándo seguir el sentido común y cuándo es el tiempo de ir en contra de él? Well, the fact of the matter is, oftentimes, we just don't know. We don't. No sabemos. And, and that, in a sense, is the reality that the teacher, Coeleth, in Ecclesiastes, is bringing to us here in chapters 8 and 9. Uh, how difficult it is to know what time it is in life. Es lo que nos enseña aquí Ecclesiastes, capítulo 8 9. Now, if we look at chapter 8, verse 2, 8 2, Ecclesiastes begins here with kind of a a piece of traditional advice. Hay un consejo muy tradicional. Obey the king's command, I say, because you took an oath before God. Yo digo, obedece al rey, porque lo has jurado ante Dios. What's he saying here? He's saying, hey, it's good to do what the king tells you to do. Es bueno seguir las órdenes del rey. It's good to follow What those in charge tell you. Go with their advice. Hay que seguir el consejo de los que están a cargo. In fact, he says in verse 5, whoever obeys his command, the king's command, will come to no harm. You'll be safe. And, and the wise heart will know the proper time and procedure. If you're wise, you'll know that you've got to follow what they're telling you. El que acata sus órdenes no sufrirá daño alguno. El corazón sabio, sabio sabe cuándo y cómo acatarlas. What is he saying? He's saying, even though it's not always easy, even though it's not very convenient, most of the time, the best bet, 
The safest bet is to do what people are telling you to do if they're in authority over you. La mayoría de las veces es bueno seguir las órdenes que los que están a cargo de todo. That's common sense. But then, in verses 7 and 8, we find something that seems to contradict that. Siete y ocho parece contradecir esto. Since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else what is to come? Not even the king can do that. El hombre tiene en su contra un gran problema que no sabe lo que está por suceder. As no one has power over the wind to contain it, so no one has power over the time of their death. No hay quien tenga poder sobre el aliento de vida, ni que tenga poder sobre el día de su muerte. What's it saying? It's saying if you follow the king's orders, if you do what they tell you to do, actually there's no guarantee that you're going to come out okay. No hay garantía si sigues las órdenes que vas a estar bien. Most of the time that's good advice. Most of the time, if you follow what the authorities tell you, yeah, that'll work out. We had a pandemic. Most of the time, you'd say, well, yeah, probably we should follow that. But then there's that time where you follow what they say, and it just might kill you. Hay aquella vez que cuando sigues las órdenes te puede matar. So, how do you tell between the two? ¿Cómo disciernen la diferencia? Well, again... Fact of the matter is, you, you, you often can't. No se puede. Why? Because you see, there are times in this world where life is random. A veces cuando la vida es algo aleatoria, es decir, al azar. There are times in this world where, where life doesn't play by the rules and it doesn't turn out the way you think. La vida no sigue la norma siempre. For example, if you look at chapter 8, verse 9, he's talking about, he says, there's a time when, when, when a person in charge is ruling over people to try and help them, and then he actually ends up suffering for it in the end. What's up with that? Hay el que gobierna sobre otros y después él sufre. And then there's another time, he says, where some guy who's in authority is just living for himself, just doing what he wants to do, and... Uh, people praise him as if he's the greatest thing. And then when he dies, they give him a hero's burial. What's up with that? A él, que, que, un líder que vive por sí mismo y sin embargo la gente lo alaba y lo entierran como un héroe cuando muere. See, it's vanity, Ecclesiastes is saying. It's, it's meaningless. It's random. And frankly, it's unfair. Es aleatorio, injusto, es absurdo. And then he goes on to provide some other examples in chapter 8, verse 11, 8, 11. When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, people's hearts are filled with schemes to do wrong. Cuando no se ejecuta rápidamente la sentencia de un delito, el corazón del pueblo se llena de razones para hacerlo malo. And then if you go down to verse 14, it's saying something similar. 
There is something else meaningless that occurs on earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. This too is meaningless. En la tierra suceden cosas absurdas, pues hay hombres justos a quienes les va como si fueran malvados y hay malvados a quienes les va como si fueran justos. So Ecclesiastes is saying here, the world's justice system is all messed up. Justice doesn't follow the rules in our world, it seems. El sistema de justicia está torcida en nuestro mundo. Don't have to look very far to get examples of that. Now, I'm no lawyer, but I understand in California, don't take this as legal advice, but I understand in California now you can waltz into a store and you can steal $949 worth of stuff and you can walk out of that store and the politicians have determined they don't care. Your sentence will be either delayed or not come at all. Mientras robas 949 dólares o menos en una tienda, no te van a dar sentencia. What is that done? It's done what this says. It says, when the sentence for a crime is not quickly uh, carried out, guess what? People's hearts are filled with a desire to, to, to do stuff. Guess what? Shoplifting's up. Whoa! Who thought of that? I'm a robos. Why is it this way? Personally, I think it's because a lot of the politicians are stealing too. They just want some company. Algunos políticos están robando también. Reminds me of that old Christian song from years ago. We're putting criminals in office because it's way too crowded in the jails. Ahí ponemos a, a políticos a, a los cargos porque no hay campo en la cárcel. It's messed up. It, it, it's random. And, and in verse 12 here, Koalef says, basically, I, I know... I know that supposedly the bad guys will get it in the end, that they'll be punished for what they do. Yo sé que los malos van a recibir su castigo. Listen, he says, although a wicked person who commits a hundred crimes may live a long time, I know that it will go better with those who fear God, who are reverent before him. El pecador puede hacer el malo cien veces y vivir muchos años, pero sé también que le irá mejor a quien teme a Dios y le guarda reverencia. I, I, I know that somehow, you know, that bad people will experience bad stuff in the end, but here's the problem. The end isn't here yet. Los malos van a recibir lo suyo a fin de cuentas, pero no ha llegado el fin. The end's not here, and in the meantime, It's not good. Entre tanto que pasa. In the meantime, it seems like wicked people get off scot-free while the righteous people suffer. What's up with that? It's all jacked up. Life is random. Parece que los malvados no reciben lo suyo. Try to understand that if you can, he's saying here. But don't try too hard. Because you'll just be banging your head against the wall. Vas a estar como golpeando tu, pared, tu cabeza contra la pared para entender esto. Look at verse 17. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun. Despite all their efforts to search it out, no one can discover its meaning. Dice, el hombre no puede comprender todo lo que Dios ha hecho en esta vida. Por más que se esfuerce por hallarle sentido, no lo encontrará en la vida. What's he saying? Life 
is random and unfair here under the sun. It's just the way it is. I know this is an exciting uh, thing to hear. La vida es algo aleatoria e injusta bajo el sol. So that's chapter 8 in a nutshell, right? All of chapter 8 is saying life is random and unfair. And in fact, you get kind of a confirmation of that in chapter 9, verse 11. 11 da una confirmación de 8 que se trata que la vida no es justa. Listen and see if this doesn't fit your experience. The race is not to the swift. In other words, the fastest guy doesn't always win. Or the battle to the strong. Nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. En esta vida la carrera no la ganan siempre los más veloces, ni ganan la batalla los más valientes, ni tampoco los sabios tienen que comer, ni los inteligentes abundan en dinero, ni los instruidos gozan de simpatía, sino que a todos les llegan buenos y malos tiempos. Life is random. Life is unfair. Get used to it. La vida es aleatoria e injusta. So, if life is random and unfair, guess what? Death is too. Así la muerte también. And, and that's, as we turn the page to chapter 9, that's really the theme. It's talking about death in chapter 9. Capítulo 9 dice que también la, la muerte es aleatoria e injusta. Look at chapter 9, verse 2. All share a common destiny. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices, and those who do not offer, sacrifice, offer sacrifices. Para todos hay un mismo final, para el justo, el injusto, para el bueno y el malo, para el puro e impuro, para el que ofrece sacrificios y el que no los ofrece. ofrece. So, here's the deal. The bad deserve to die, but guess what? The righteous die too. Everybody dies, whether you're good or bad. Si eres bueno o malo, todos mueren. And then in chapter 9, verse 12, it says this, Moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. Además, nadie sabe cuando le llegará su hora. As fish are caught in a cruel net or birds are taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. Así como los peces caen en la red maligna y las aves caen en la trampa, también los hombres se ven atrapados por una desgracia que de pronto les sobreviene. Death doesn't seem to, to, to respect who you are. It's going to come when it comes, and sometimes it seems to come in a way that's tragic and, and premature, uh, in a way that's unexpected. La muerte viene de forma inesperada, trágica. Think about those people in Israel last week. They're just enjoying a music festival. They're just home, hanging out, and enjoying their lives, and all of a sudden, hell breaks loose upon them. What's up with that? La gente en Israel sufre. Están ahí en un festival de música o en sus casas, y se les sobreviene el mal. And like that, they're dead or hostage or whatever. It's not fair. No es nada justa la muerte. So, whew. Again, we've got Ecclesiastes bringing us down, it would seem, right? Nice thoughts. What can we do about this? ¿Qué se puede hacer? Well, to change it? Not much. But what can we do? ¿Qué podemos hacer? There's really only two things Ecclesiastes says that we can do, 
First of all, just be thankful that you're alive. Be thankful you're not dead. Estar agradecido estar con vida. Look at chapter 9, verse 4. Among Anyone who is among the living has hope. Hey, if you're alive, at least you have hope. Be thankful for that. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. Entre todos los vivos hay esperanza. Vale más perro vivo que león muerto. Hey, if you're alive today, you're breathing today, hot dog, be thankful. At least you're not dead yet, Right? What's the second thing you can do? Well, you can enjoy it while it lasts. Puedes disfrutar de la vida mientras dure. Look at chapter 9, verse 7 through 9. Go eat your food. Drink your wine with a joyful heart. Uh, you know, enjoy having clean white clothes and oil on your head. Enjoy life with your lo- wife whom you love. You know, enjoy your family. Come tu pan, bebe tu vino. Disfruta de tu limpia, de ropa limpia y blanca. De tu mujer, de tu familia. Enjoy life. Under the sun. And then verse 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. Y todo lo que te venga a la mano, hazlo con todo empeño, porque en el sepulcro a donde te diriges no hay trabajo, ni planes, ni conocimiento, ni sabiduría. What's this saying? It's saying, if you're alive and breathing today, give thanks. Be thankful and live to the max. Si tienes vida hoy, vivan hasta lo máximo. Carpe diem. Seize the day. Aprovechate del día. Agarra el día. Now here's the question. Is that the best advice that Ecclesiastes can give us? I mean, it's not bad. Es el mejor consejo. But it's not enough, is it? It's not enough. Seize the day. But tomorrow the day may not be for me to seize. No es suficiente. Mañana a lo mejor viene. No viene. Well, the truth is, Ecclesiastes is not just saying carpe diem, seize the day. It's not stopping there. No solo dice aprovechate del día. Ecclesiastes, if we look real hard, is saying also this. Deus carpe te. Let God seize you. Que Dios se aferre a ti. Look at chapter 9, verse 1. Here's the key verse in all of this, I think. Capítulo 9, 1. So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. A todo eso me dediqué lleno y todo eso comprobé que los justos y los sabios y sus obras están en las manos de Dios. Life is random and unfair. Death is random and unfair, but God is not. La vida es aleatoria, la, la muerte es aleatoria e injusta, pero Dios no. God is different. 
With God, nothing is random. Nothing is unfair. No hay nada aleatorio o injusto de Dios. And if you are in God's hands, if God has a hold of your life, nothing in your life is random. Si Dios tiene tu, su, tu vida en sus manos, nada en tu vida es aleatorio. On September 11, 2001, Giovanni Renteria made a decision. He was going to go back up to that 64th floor. Giovanni Renteria decidió subir al piso 64. That was the right thing to do, the common sense thing to do. But as Giovanni was about to step into that elevator, antes de entrar en el ascensor, a coworker was there. And that coworker, this nameless coworker, grabbed him. Un colaborador le agarró y said, Giovanni, we need to pray. Tenemos que orar, le dijo. Could I pray for you? ¿Puedo orar por ti? And Giovanni's like, yeah, hurry up. I gotta get back up there. Está bien. Apúrate. And this coworker grabbed Giovanni by the hands and he prayed. Le agarró las manos y oró. And when the coworker said, Amen, cuando dijo Amen, Giovanni looked up, he said, You know what? I think I need to get out of here. Yo tengo que salir, dijo. And he did. Se fue. And Giovanni Renteria survived September 11. Él sobrevivió el 11 de septiembre. Many of his co-workers went up and they died. Algunos compañeros subieron y murieron. Was that random? Was that pure luck? Fue algo al azar por pura casualidad? I don't think so. No creo. Because you see, when we're in God's hands, nothing is random. En las manos de Dios, nada es aleatorio. At the end of chapter 9 here, I don't know if you noticed this, if you read it before, there is this little story. It's like a little parable. Hay una parábola al fin del capítulo 9. It's a strange little story. It's about a king, a powerful king, who invades a land and he surrounds this poor city and he's about to crush it. Hay un rey que invade una ciudad para aplastarla. But inside the city it says there is this poor Wise man. En la ciudad hay un hombre pobre y sabio. We don't know much about him. All it says is that somehow this poor wise man intervened miraculously and saved the city. El hombre pobre y sabio intervino de forma milagrosa salvó la ciudad. He saved the people. But instead of thanking this man, instead of showering this man with gifts, it says the people forgot him. En vez de agradecerle, la gente se olvidó de él. Verse 15 says, nobody remembered the poor wise man. Nadie se acordó del hombre pobre y sabio. So what is this? Is this, is this just another example of how life is random and unfair? ¿Es otro ejemplo de cómo la vida no es justa? I don't think so. 
I actually think that this little parable is pointing to some very good news. It's pointing away from Ecclesiastes to something bigger. Nos está señalando buenas noticias. Let's ask ourselves, who could that poor wise man be? Who is that poor wise man who miraculously intervenes to save people doomed to destruction? ¿Quién es el hombre pobre que interviene para salvar a gente destinada a la destrucción? Well, I think we can find an answer in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9, 2 Corintios 8:9. For you know the grace, the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Ya conocen la gracia de nuestro Señor Jesucristo, que aunque era rico por causa de ustedes, se hizo pobre para que mediante su pobreza ustedes llegaran a ser ricos. Jesus left the riches of heaven. The eternal son of the father left all of his riches to come to our city as a poor man, a wise man. And he intervened miraculously on our behalf to save us. Jesús dejó la riqueza del cielo y vino como hombre pobre para salvarnos. And that is good news. The question is, do we remember him? You see, when life and death are unfair, when life and death are unfair, here's the good news. We can move from meaningless to meaningful by remembering Jesus, the God man, the wise God man who made himself poor in order to save us. Cuando la vida no es justa, la muerte, podemos ir de lo sin sentido a lo significativo acordándonos de Jesús, el hombre rico que se hizo pobre por nosotros. You see, Jesus came and lived among us and he experimented, he experienced all of the randomness of life under the sun and death too. Jesús experimentó lo aleatorio que es la vida y la muerte. Think about it. Jesus was misunderstood. Jesus was arrested unfairly. He was accused unfairly. He was beaten unfairly. He was condemned unfairly. And he was crucified unfairly. You say, what a random thing. What a terrible thing. Él fue arrestado, uh, acusado, condenado, crucificado injustamente. But why? All of that happened to him unfairly. So that we unjust sinners could be declared just and righteous before God. Lo hizo para que fuéramos declarados justos a Dios, pecadores injustos. Now there's a king worth following. There's a king whose orders it is worth to follow 100% all the time because that's the king that will always take care of you. 
It's only when we remember Jesus, the poor man, and we we put our lives in his hands. When your life is in the hands of Jesus Christ, nothing in your life is random. Nothing in your life is going to happen by chance. There's a plan. There's a purpose. There's a meaning. Cuando estás en las manos de Jesús, nada en tu vida es al azar. That's good news. My life and death, your life and death make sense in the light of Jesus' life and death. Nuestra vida y muerte tienen sentido a la luz de la muerte y vida de Jesús. Because you see, Jesus' life and death isn't the end. He rose from the dead. El resucitó. That makes all the difference. What does that mean? It means that we, by embracing and remembering and being in the hands of Jesus, we can have new life, resurrection life. It begins today, but it never stops. It goes beyond this life. It goes forever. Las manos de Jesús resucitado tenemos significado hoy y para siempre. That's incredible news. Incredible news. And partaking of the Lord's Supper is an opportunity for us to remember that. Aquí tenemos una oportunidad para recordar esto. Here we remember that Jesus has made us rich by giving us his body and his blood. Nos enriquece a Jesús con su cuerpo y con su sangre. Here we, we grab on to bread, we grab on to a cup with our hands, nos aferramos al pan y a la copa, but what we're reminding ourselves of is that we're grabbing on to Jesus, the King, to follow him, and actually he's got a better grip on us. He's grabbed on to us. Nos aferramos al pan y la copa y Jesús se aferra a nosotros. So think about it. When... Life is not fair, and it's going to be unfair at times. Even when life is the pits, you know there's one thing you can do, and it's not just enjoy life. When life is unfair, you can still live for Jesus, and there's meaning. I'm living for Jesus through this trial. Cuando la vida no es justa, puedes vivir por Jesús. Y hay significado. When death is unfair, when death comes into your life either prematurely or tragically or unexpectedly, you and I can die knowing death is not the end. Cuando la, vida, la muerte viene de forma trágica o inesperada, podemos morir sabiendo la, la muerte no es el fin. Death is not the end. The Apostle Paul, the early church leader Paul, said it best in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Para mí el vivir es Cristo, el morir es ganancia. Either way, see, either way, we win. We win. In life or death, it doesn't matter. De las dos formas salimos ganando. Why? Because we are in Jesus' hands. And when you're in Jesus' hands, 
He is there. And he knows how to make things the way it's supposed to be. En las manos de Jesús, él está allí. So I want to invite us to put ourselves into God's hands. One of the ways we do that is through prayer. We've been talking about prayer. Cody talked about it. The Lord's Prayer, I believe, is one of the most beautiful opportunities to put ourselves in God's hands. So I want to invite you to stand, and as we come to the Lord's table this morning, let's pray that prayer. There's a line in that prayer that says, your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm in your hands. There's another part that Cody talked about. Give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need. We're putting ourselves in your hands. Que venga tu reino. Danos tu pan, nuestro pan de cada día. Es ponernos en manos de Jesús. So we're going to recite this together and prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. En inglés, español, vamos a decir Padre Nuestro. Let's pray together and put ourselves in the Lord's hands. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this promise. In this holy moment, we put ourselves in your hands. If there is someone here who has never trusted in Jesus, may this be a simple moment for them to say, Lord, I put myself in your hands. Jesus, come into my life. Give my life the meaning it's lacking. Si alguien aquí no ha rendido su vida a ti, Señor, que pongan su vida en tus manos y decir, Jesús, aquí estoy. Entra en mi vida. Dale sentido. Lord, prepare our hearts for this table that we may come empty-handed to receive of the riches that you give us. Ayúdanos a venir con manos vacías para recibir tus riquezas en esta mesa. We thank you, Jesus, that for our sake you became poor and because of you we are rich. Gracias, Señor, por hacerte pobre por nosotros para hacernos ricos. May we honor you as we partake in this table together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. In el nombre del Señor Jesús oramos. Amen. You may be seated. I want to clarify that this table this morning is for any and all who have fully trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If you're determined to let go of an old life, as difficult as that may be to let go of sin, to let go of the things that used to define you and to be defined by Jesus, to grab onto him, this table is for you. Si estás dispuesta a dejar el pecado y, y, y agarrar a Jesús, esta mesa es para ti. And if you're not quite at that place, we do not want to force you into something you're not prepared for. We invite you to partake by observing, by watching, and by talking to us, we would love to talk, to pray, to explore with you as you, maybe you're on a journey to make that decision. And that's good. Si no estás seguro de tu estado con el Señor, no tienes que participar, no queremos que participen a la fuerza. Pues pueden observar y después podemos hablar y ayudarlos 
en ese proceso. So I want to remind us of why we're here. The Lord Jesus, on the same night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. La misma noche que fue entregado el Señor Jesús tomó el pan, lo partió y se lo dio a sus discípulos diciendo, Tomad, comed, ese es mi cuerpo que doy por vosotros. Haced esto en memoria de mí. In the same way, after they had eaten, he took from the cup. And when he had blessed it, he gave it to them. And he said, this cup is the New Testament. The new agreement that is being made in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Drink all of it in remembrance of me. Tomó también la copa y dijo, esta copa es el nuevo pacto hecho mi sangre por la remisión o perdón de los pecados. Cada vez que beban de ella, hacedlo en memoria de mí. I want to invite our serving elders to come up at this time. Voy a invitar a los ancianos al frente. And I want to prepare you for this time as you feel led. We invite you to come and take a piece of bread, to take a cup, and to go sit down. Les invitamos a tomar un poco de pan y de la copa y después sentarse. Please do not eat or drink until we're all served and we can do that together. Uh, esperen hasta que todos hayan sido servidos y vamos a comer juntos. Everything is ready. Let's come with grateful and humble hearts to the Lord's presence and his table. Vengamos con corazones humildes a la mesa del Señor.